0: Alright friends, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Victor Wooten, an incredible guest and someone I've always wanted to talk to. Victor is a five-time Grammy-winning founding member of Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. He's also noted for his solo career, which has also been Grammy-nominated, and not only that, he's an author, naturalist, and most importantly, a teacher. Victor has a new book out called The Spirit of Music. It's a sequel to The Music Lesson, and I can't recommend both these books enough. The Music Lesson had a profound impact on my life. It's the only book about music that changed how I listened to music, how I played music, how I conveyed music, how I talked about music, musically and non-musically. Just even to take an excerpt from the book... There's this whole concept of zero, how zero is nothing and something. And that even relates to what we're listening to here. This podcast started from having nothing to do at gigs. So if you're a new listener just hopping on, um, I play in a band called C-Level, letter C-Dash. And we would at gigs, I would try to be productive with my time. And I'm always looking for insight and inspiration from people. And we'd play with touring bands. So I thought I would do a podcast at the gig. Zig at the gig. And we would do it in the van. So it'd be quiet. So I'd hang out with someone in my van. And we'd talk about life and how we got here. And that got to be a little uh, arduous with, like, having to run a show and yeah, enter, like, research someone to talk to them. And then it eventually became... a. Uh, Podcast to promote stuff at a non art gallery called negative space which it still is to some degree and then COVID happened and now it is where it is now but that all started from nothing zero and now we're at one zero zero this is the hundredth episode it's gone not just from nothing to something but to a lot of something and anyone can do that anyone can Come up with an idea and stick to it and take it down the line from one to a hundred. I also want to take a portion here to uh, thank a friend of mine. His name is Zach Carney. When I was reading the music lesson, he was reading the music lesson. So I had someone to rattle these ideas with and try to figure out who Michael was. And like, do you think that really happened? And we try the whole bit where you, where you put two CDs and try to feel which one's the our equivalent to Miles Davis, I can't remember, probably Red Hot Chili Peppers. And we were studying with uh, George Hartwig together, which got me on the whole Bruce Lee kick, which is a big portion of these uh, philosophical insights resonated with me because of that. Zach served in the Marines, and uh, now he's living in California with his wife and kid. We did a record with a lot of bass called The Wampus Cats, and I just know I couldn't do anything, the music lesson related, without giving a shout-out and saying, I'm proud of you, Zach. And hope you're well, my friend. Get back at me. So here we are, 100 episodes in. This is absurd. Um, Victor's got a lot of stuff going on. He's got a... So every time he does a book, he does a really amazing audiobook that accompanies it. And it's a production. It's not just like him reading it. It is him reading it, which makes it cool. But also it's him and other voices reading it. And there's music involved. And it's like a... It's like a radio show, like a, a radio drama. You're hearing the whole story on, involved. It's a lot more, lot more into it. So if you're an audiobook person, listen to both of them. I've listened to the music lesson numbers. I do it every year, I think. Every other year, I'll listen to the music lesson. And every other, other one, I'll read it. There's a lot to unpack in both of them, and they keep coming back. And there's always something you didn't pick up on, just like a good record. This conversation rolls deep. And it's the exact conversation I've always wanted to have with Victor. So it was an honor to have this conversation. Um, Within it, we talk about the Cleveland Cloudwater Zendo, which is a Buddhist temple in Cleveland. And Shifu, um, the head monk, I would would go there with a a girlfriend of mine at the time. And we would would sit through the meditations. And then afterwards, you would talk. And I started to develop a friendship with him. And uh, we would talk about music. And I would talk to a monk about funk. And it was great. And we found both found that we had a love for the Flectones. And he always told me. He's like, I know Victor. Victor would come in here. And uh, so I bring it up in the interview. And uh, Victor didn't remember. I was like, oh, no. Have I been lied to by a monk? And um, that's not the case. So as I'm recording this, I sent Victor uh, the Cloudwater site. And he has recently got back to me that that is the guy and he had it saved in his phone as Cloudwater Zendo he just didn't remember the name so it's crazy how small the world is friends and it just keeps getting smaller so with that being said um, this is episode 100 with Victor Wooten not, not,
1: nothing, nothing's off limits with me you can go wherever you want awesome
0: cool cool well I wanted to start off with I'm I met you a few years ago in Columbus at um a Sam Ash for a like a, a clinic and by that point I've read the the music lesson a few times and like it was a book that profoundly impacted like it finally put like oh that's like the, the uh, put like words to a feeling and um And when you were, when you were taught, like throughout the book, I got this feeling that maybe he, he, he's influenced by a particular individual. And then you said it that day. So I was interested, when did Bruce Lee impact your life and who introduced
1: you to Bruce Lee? Um, let's see, I'm, I'm the youngest of five brothers. So all boys. And, um, so I'm sure it was my brothers that got me into Bruce Lee, but it was in the it was in the you know mid to mid to late '70s when those movies started hitting. You know, uh, Enter the Dragon, of course, the big one, but Chinese Connection, and uh, I guess it was called Fist of Fury at the time. All of those movies, we would go to the theater and just watch them over and over. And I think that's what really got me into it. For whatever reason, I was into martial arts as a kid. My dad was in the Korean War, so he learned some judo and karate from that. Would always share it with us. But Bruce Lee came, uh, I think, with, with Enter, Enter the Dragon and the movies before that. We could see that there was something different with this guy. So we bought every magazine, every book, every real to real film we could find on Yeah. yeah.
0: When did you dive into like his philosophies? Was it just kind of vicariously through seeing the
1: films? Well, yeah. I mean, when you watch the films, his philosophy's all through it. Right. You know, uh, he when when he wouldn't let people make fun of the Chinese, so as equality, so we could relate to that. You know, Enter the Dragon, they cut out a lot of his philosophy in that movie. To, I don't know to make it shorter or whatever, but There's a lot of stuff in there, you know, what he was standing up for, when he, you know, when he slapped the little boy on the head, all this, (laughs) this deep stuff. Um, But it also came from reading about him. Once we learned, you know, once we recognized his gift, his gift of of martial arts, you know, we would buy every book, every every magazine he was in, we would buy it, and then his philosophy would just come out. You know, he couldn't talk without. Using his philosophy, so that that really appealed to us brothers, right? Right, because when
0: you see any of those like small interview clips of him, like uh, the be water, my friend, is from a TV show, and it's yeah. it's profound, and I, I found it interesting. Like he uh, when he wrote um, Tao of Jikindo, like when he wrote that he there's like a, there's this book called uh, I think it's Artists of Life, and it's like a compiling of all his writings. And, mm. like, a big chunk of it is just rough drafts for, right. for Tao of Jeet because he, like, had yeah. it in his mind, but he didn't want to put it out. Like, he didn't want to have a way because that was kind of his, one of his big philosophies was the way of no way. Yeah. And, like, reading the, the music lesson, uh, there was a lot of that in it. And, like, uh, like it, w- and it, uh, the, how you approach books like The Music Lesson and The Spirit of Music It's kind of like maybe like a goal he was trying to aim towards, not having like, here's the Bruce Lee way, but here is like a a tale that shows these lessons and you can kind of pick up on it. Was that kind of an inspiration towards that?
1: Totally, totally. I mean, consciously and unconsciously, Bruce Lee inspires everything that I do, you know, because I was into him so young. Yeah. And, um, you know, finding out that he was a philosophy major in college. Right. Um, you know, here in America. Uh, and, and, and the way he talked about martial arts and kung fu just being like a journey to, f- you know, I forget how he said it, but a journey into the self, about self-expression. It wasn't about just beating up someone or whatever. It was about finding out who you are, expressing yourself. That was interesting to me, even as a kid. And more so because my brothers were really interested. I did everything that they did. But uh, I knew through this guy, it was, it was more than just punching and kicking. And it was the same, uh, I got a similar thing from reading and, and studying Aikido. Uh, I don't know how you say his name, but Mori Ushiba, whatever, one of the, the grandmasters, I guess, of, of Aikido, one of the more well-known people. I would read about him a lot. And his whole thing was about loving your opponent, which was di- way different from the Taekwondo stuff I had been learning as a kid. You know, it was about love your opponent and not wanting to hurt them, but to, to, to blend with them and teach them and things. And, and Bruce Lee was really coming about it from that angle in a way, in a sense. Um, but in learning about Wing Chun, which at the time you could only you know, at, the, the best you could do was find a book talking about it. Right. You know, but even a book would say you can't learn it from a book. You got to, you yes. know. And it wasn't until I found a Wing Chun teacher that I realized, oh, wow, you, it's, you know, it's like trying to learn to play bass from a book. You don't really, or learn how to swim from a book better yet. Right. You don't really know if you can swim until you get into the water. And uh, so it, it was really neat uh, as a kid learning this stuff. But the main thing, finding out Bruce Lee was more into it than just kicking and punching, it allowed me to get into my music more than just playing notes. But, but his, his movies, what I did with my books was put it in a fictional form, put it in a story, a novel, like he did with his movies. And that way you can just, you can just enjoy the movie. And if you get his philosophy, even better. But if you don't get the philosophy, you still enjoy the movie. So, I did books the same way. I didn't, you know, hadn't made any movies yet. But I wrote the stories. That's fiction. Let's just, you know, let's just enjoy the story. But the lessons are there for those who
0: want it. I, that's, I didn't even put the, the connection there of thinking of it like how he
1: did his films. That's excellent. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the same thing. You know, there's a whole lot into those, there's a whole lot, lot of lessons taught in those films. Yeah. You uh, mentioned a whole lot of
0: lessons. You mentioned the the one with the pointing the finger at the moon within the new book. And like I think that was in Enter the Dragon. I think they kept that in there.
1: That, but, yeah, they kept that part in Enter the Dragon,
0: yeah. And like, like it, a
1: finger pointing away to the moon.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it when I first started uh, playing music, I play guitar. Um my guitar teacher, he's like, You gotta read this book and it was a it wasn't Bruce Lee's book, but it was a book by um John Little, I think, it, who ended up being, like, the, uh, like, uh, he would edit all the Bruce Lee books that would come out, yeah. and it was called Way of the Warrior, or the, War no, The Warrior Within, and it basically Damn. took um Tao of Jeet and, and put it into a way to apply it to anything, really, and yeah. um, so that was, like, my very first, like, understanding of, like, how to approach uh, goal-oriented things and like this was later in life for me this was probably like in uh like around 15 17 and like it it, the idea of balance and all this really made sense and then like that's i'm I'm trying to think of um the lesson came out in like 2008
1: right uh yeah that's uh yeah exactly right 2008 the music lesson yeah, it came, I released a record the same day as the book. That's what it was.
0: Okay, like the yeah. the
1: audio version of it or just the, it, the music? It, no, it wasn't the audio version, but I released a book called, I'm sorry, I released a record called Paul Mystery. Oh, okay, yeah, and, yeah. And it had that song, The Lesson, on it. Right. And that's the song that's written in the book one measure at a time, at the beginning of each measure of, or chapter of the book. So I was able to coordinate releasing that record and the book at the same time. The audio book came a couple years later.
0: Now, with that piece, did, was that a piece kind of a reflection on on the written work, or was it kind of compiled while writing
1: the book? Well, uh, both. I wrote it for the book. When I came up with the idea of, instead of calling them chapters, calling the calling the chapters measures— I came up with the idea, why, why not write a song where uh, there's a measure of music at the beginning of each chapter? And so I needed a song that worked. I had to figure out how many chapters I was gonna have, had to, how many measures it's gonna be. And so I just kind of came up with the idea uh, in conjunction with writing. And it just had to also go in line with writing uh, music for uh, a record. And so I was able to have them both come out at the same time. You know, with music, more and more, you you need any any little trick or any little help you can get to draw attention to new music. There's so much music out there, right, right. And, and we all expect it to be free. You know, so so what's going to make someone want to want to buy this record? Well, maybe if you find out this song goes along with this book, you know, whatever whatever help you can get.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that it can't it's not just as exciting as it was. Like there has to be another medium to it. And there's it's kind of like an expiration date on some of this stuff. Like so much of it like you were saying, so much of it's coming out and like what makes well, it yeah, stick I, out. It's all available.
1: Right. I right. mean you know, you could write a song and make it available today. Yeah. To the whole world. Doesn't mean the whole world'll see it, but the whole world has access to it. Where when I was growing up, I was born in sixty four, the end of sixty four you know, to hear hear music, you had to wait till your your favorite artist put out a new record. You couldn't just push a few buttons on a computer. I mean, there weren't computers. So you had to wait. And hopefully your favorite artist would show up that year. Yeah. <laughs> and if you wanted to hear them, you had to listen to the radio all day. Waiting for that song. And then they came out with radios and cassette players together. Like... So you you'd be waiting. Like if we had to learn a song for a wedding or for you know a gig coming up, we'd be waiting for that song on the radio. Listening to the DJ and if we heard that song you hit record either on that machine or another machine. And then the DJ would talk through the first 15 seconds of the tune. Right. But, but then you'd finally have a recording of it. Nowadays you go to YouTube and down, you know, you get it for free. But the only way we got it for free back then was to wait all day until it <laughs> played on the radio, and then you go buy the record. Right, right. Well, then so yeah, you might, you might. I gotta just say one thing: you might buy the record for one song, but when you bought that album, you listened to the whole record. Right. You made the commitment. You had to hear yeah, it out. Not, not, not anymore. People
0: download the song they want. It is kind of a shame, like that the record isn't the thing anymore, and right. like. It's interesting because, like, it's almost, almost kind of in a weird way, the inverse of what was before. Like before, not too many voices can be heard because there is, it, there wasn't a way to amplify it. Now everything's amplified, but you're hearing too much, and it becomes white noise again, or like it's it just does. static.
1: You're absolutely right. In other words, the people we heard in the past were usually the best at it. Right, right. You heard Jimi Hendrix because he was the best. You heard, you know, you heard everybody on Motown or you heard the Rolling Stones, you know, because they were good. Maybe not the best, but they were good. That was the criteria. If you're good, we might sign you. You know, Aretha Franklin wasn't a sex symbol. She wasn't a heartthrob. She was just good. Janis Joplin, Mick Jagger, they were just good. That was the criteria. Now that's not the criteria anymore. It's not about your talent. It's about can we market you. Right. You know, like if you're a sec, if you're sexy, you don't have to be able to sing. We got enough computers here to make you sing sound good. Right. And it was just about mark marketability, and talent takes you know second or third uh, place in order of importance. But it was number one in the beginning. Number one it was about about talent. Right. And then you know if you were a good performer, even better. But that wasn't the number one thing. It's,
0: uh, are you hip to, uh, I think he's a bass player. His name's Adam Neely. Very much. Okay. He put out this thing uh, recently of like him auto-tuning, or it was was an auto-tune program where it does subtle adjustments, right? And he does it with like Aretha Franklin and Bill Withers and Led Zeppelin. And like he slightly puts them on key and he takes all these bluesier songs and it just makes us weird feel that isn't that song. And sure. It's, it's it's interesting like yeah. that so much of it, like so much of everything now has to be perfect that it kind of takes doesn't, out
1: it, 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 Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Right. Um but that is the norm nowadays. Right. And I you know I have my thoughts about that, but it is the norm. But that's like for me walking into a person's house that's too clean. Right. You know when I was a kid there were some people whose houses and the grandmas would put plastic over the kitchen table. The good dishes were in a cabinet. You got to take your shoes off. You can't. <laughs> you know, it's like you're 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 in the house like this. Yeah. And and there's for me there's less feel there's less soul when music feels like that. It's the stuff the stuff about music that makes you go oh yeah and feel it is the stuff that's technically wrong. Right. It's when it's out of tune a little bit. It's when, we're in the key of C major, but maybe you played a C sharp or E five. Those wrong notes, you know? It's when James Brown would have the guitar player playing the dominant seven, but the horn player's playing the major seven. At the same time, gospel does it too. Yeah. It's those things that make you feel things, right? It's just like in life, you know, when things go right, they're good, but we spend our time talking about the things that went wrong. Right. You know, so, there has to be that mixture. And when you correct everything, and it's just all right and perfect, every rhythm's perfect, every every uh, pitch is perfect, there's no dynamics, because it's all compressed. You know, we've taken the dynamics out of it, we've taken the yin-yang out of it, the opposites that make me like this, because this exists also, right? We take all of that out. It's good, but it doesn't stick with us. Because we hear it and like it, but it doesn't stick with what we feel. Right, right. If you get yeah. in a car accident, you're gonna feel that for a long time, <laughs> yeah. especially if you live through it. Yeah, because then life takes on a more special meaning. All right, but when music is just all perfect, it's 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 more one dimensional to me.
0: That's beautifully said. And like to kind of go back to the house metaphor, when you're in that house, it's not comforting. You're afraid right. that you're afraid the ruin someone's well-maintained uh, uh, household. <laughs> like, exactly. Is that exactly. kind of the where the idea of the phasers spawned from
1: in the new book? Sure. Sure. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in both books that use that. That's why Michael always keeps you questioning. Instead of just telling you the answer. Yeah. He gives you another question to make you grind, make you search, make you, you know, instead of just making it easy, he could Michael knows every answer that you ask. He could just tell you, but if I just tell, if he just tells you the answer, you may forget it. But if you search for it and find it yourself, because of the feeling and the and the stories of searching and the the energy that it takes to find that answer, you're going to remember. And so, and plus with Michael asking more questions, you're going to learn more than what your question was. Right. So, you know, Michael's creating a journey, not just a destination. Usually, an answer is the end. Yeah, you know what? What you know, like you know what? What's the name of that tree? Or well, what tree? What well, that one over there? What do you mean over there? What direction is that? I don't know. Well, where's the sunset? The sunset's in the west. And then what direction is that tree? Oh, that tree's in the east. Okay, now what tree? That tree <laughs> over there. What's well, what, what what what? Just tell me which tree. I see a lot of trees over there. What well, the one with the different color bark. What kind of bark you talking? About? You know, all the bark's different. By the time you get the answer, oh, that's a sycamore. You don't learn all this stuff. We talked about direction and all that stuff. So that's what Michael is doing. That's what uh, some people call it, call it the Socratic method. Right. Uh, I learned, I really uh, realized it when I started studying nature. And I was learning from a teacher named Tom Brown Jr. And he and all of his teachers used this method. You know, it was one of the things they used that I attributed to Michael. And they called it coyote, coyote or coyote teaching. Huh. Coyote they call the trickster. And so they're tricking you into learning more than you asked. More than you asked for. And that's what Michael's doing. But but Michael understands that if life is about duality. That's why I like the yin yang symbol. You don't know who you are unless who you aren't shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no up without down, no right without left. I'm not black unless there's a white person. Right. Right? I can't be good unless there's bad people. I can't be a genius unless there's people that's not geniuses. I can't discover cancer unless there's people with cancer. So everything stays in balance. Keeps, all sides keep things in balance. And most of us are try, you know, trying our best to remove that. But you can't have choices. As human beings, we have choice. But you can't have choice unless there's something to choose from. Right. So, you know, trying to get rid of everything that's bad, I, I don't know if that's possible on earth. Right. Right? Because at that point, you have no choices. Right? But you can choose how you see that bad stuff. You can see the purpose in it. And after that, and once you do that, you realize it's not really that bad. It's just not my choice. Right. But you can't just like, do I don't that like- without it it has to be right. there yeah. exactly yeah. exactly. and after a while the stuff you disagree with is its the same as like I don't like tomatoes yeah doesn't mean tomatoes are bad it's just not my taste <laughs> might be yours so I'm not going to throw out every tomato in the world right right and I look at things like that more now um, that it, you know maybe 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 things need to be shifted a little bit but we don't need to get rid of it exactly you know, so so I you know I see music that way, uh, and you know, but instead of writing a, a music uh, method book as rules and lessons, the Wooten method or whatever, mm-hmm. I didn't want any of that. So I just wrote a story.
0: I think one that's beautiful because so much of stuff now is like if you don't agree with it, throw it away, hide it, stop them from talking or. Or shut them down, don't you know I mean, and the, but that you can't lead by example of doing the right thing if if there is no wrong if everyone's doing the same thing, right. and like I think that's an and it's something that's very hard to like not not think about now. and like it's something yeah. that's very hard to not like a, it's it just even when you stand up for someone to say the wrong thing, so people put you in the wrong sometimes, which doesn't help out either. Cause you gotta learn, yeah. you gotta learn from somebody, and usually that's by making mistakes. And exactly, and that puts such a bad connotation on that. Even when you yeah. when you don't let anyone else make mistakes, so I think that's right. That's well said, and the it,
1: well, it's it's, it's a, it, there's a danger. There can be a danger into thinking that you're right and everyone else is wrong. Definitely, right. Like I've been, I'm, I'm, I'll be 57 next month. Right. 57. So that's nowadays considered kind of old or or, or or whatever. But the thing is, life, life has been going on a whole lot longer than my 57 years. So who am I to say what's right? And I'm only 57. And, and, and more so, who am I to say you're wrong? Right, right. <laughs> I'm right and you're wrong. And there's a danger in that. Because of course everybody thinks they're right and we like to get on social media and tell everybody else that I'm right and you're wrong. But there is a place for all of it. You tell me anything that you think is wrong and I'll show you where there's a place where you won't say it's wrong. There's a place for everything or else it wouldn't be allowed. Life wouldn't allow it to exist if there wasn't a place for it. In many cases the place for it is just to show you who you are. That you have a choice. Right? If you don't like this that's happening over there, then bless it for showing you how not to be. Beautiful. And then it allows you to be worthy of trying to fix it. Yeah. Change. That yeah. house is burning. You get to be the hero. Put the fire out. You know, rescue the people who are in there. You know? That kind of thing. It allows us to rise to the top because there is a bomb. Right. Right.
0: Definitely. And that that has to be. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful At least on earth. Yeah.
1: I, don't, I don't know what it's like Dave. I don't know what it's like off of earth. But on earth, earth is about duality. Right? We can't right. understand earth except in linear fashion, before, now and future. We can, you know, we, we we have to live in that way. And so, before, now and future is good, middle, bad. Same thing. For life as humans to exist, we have to have that duality. Or that that trio, actually. Because the, the two sides create the middle. So we can't understand life except within that. That's why even people who believe God and think that God is almighty, they still make God equal with the devil. right? Or they make the devil equal to God. But those same people will tell you that God created the devil. Then how is the devil equal? but we can't understand one without the other. And I, that's just a human experience.
0: And it, It's reminiscent of, um, you have an excerpt, excerpt in, the, in The Spirit of Music about paying attention. And I thought that was so well done. That whole bit in there about you pay energy into the time now, and, right. and then it pays off to something like when you're having fun and time escapes you. Is right. that a, um, as far as like, being in the now and like having a practice like that, do you meditate? Well,
1: i I'll put it this way. I have meditated a lot, okay. But to me, if meditation is so wonderful, why should I have to go somewhere to do it? And I don't mean physically go somewhere, but go into a mindset. Wouldn't it be better to be able to just live that way? Yeah, or to to not have to sit across my legs in Lotus and, and ohm, Why can't I just say, okay, I'm meditating now? Right, right. And that's my goal. So now what, and you know, what what I've learned to do basically is take that meditative state and call upon it whenever. Mm. Whenever. But at the same time, it's not a place I always want to be. True. It's not. Right? there's Sometimes I want to get out of that state and, and be, be a full human and experience, you know, rather than that peaceful floating on air. Sometimes I want my feet on the ground and be human. But I do want to call on that place when I need it. And I've learned how to do it. Um, and and I'm, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm not a yogi. I'm not the kind of person who... You know, can maybe meditate at the deepest levels of the 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 yogis who live that way. I don't claim any of that, but when I need that peaceful mindset, I know it's there. I don't have to sit down, and cross my legs, or whatever. And you you go to sleep every night. That's meditative state. Where I mean, your 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 conscious is out the way, right? It's on its own. It's the subconscious that takes over. Then, so you, in a sense, you do it every night. Yeah. I, um, do
0: you, do you know of the Cleveland Cloudwater Zendo? No. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a Buddhist, uh, the, the sanctuary in Cleveland. And, um, there's this guy who, who runs it. I think he goes by, um, Shifu or, or I can't, it's been years since I've been there. But, um, I went there with a, an ex-girlfriend. She was... Very adamant about getting into that mindset, and like they would spend hours there, and I would sit there for a little bit and be like, "I'm at that piece where I need to be. I'm I'm good to go. I kind of wanna wanna do something." And she would get all mad because I would get all fidgety. And I was talking with the guy who ran the place, or or the uh, the uh, uh, I can't think of the right term, but the guy who was running the meditation and he was a buddhist monk he went through the whole thing was wearing the robes and like yeah i started to talk to him about music and i started to talk to this monk about funk and that, that for that year i got to tell the story oh i was talking to this monk about funk and he was telling me that um he met you at one point or something or that you stopped there at one point which is why i bring that up and i was like
1: no way, that's so cool That kind of makes I know, sense I know a Buddhist monk in Cleveland and when you said I'm wondering if it's the same guy It could, I don't know like Because I, I knew him like probably Close to 15, 20 years ago We used to keep in touch Okay And so he may have gone on He may have changed his name He may have started his own thing Did he play music at all, somehow? He, he would come to my concert So he, okay. maybe he did Yeah Okay
0: I think it's the same guy Because he, uh I think he played trumpet or saxophone. I have never I never got his real name. They just called him Shifu. So okay. like uh, and he had the Cloud Warriors Endo and like we we talked about um I think he he hit it off with your sax player at one show. I can't I can't remember the specifics. I'm really blanking yeah. on it. And like uh yeah. he was like, "Oh yeah, Victor came here." I'm like, "That's crazy." And uh it made yeah. me reflect upon like Um, there's certain meditative like bits you put in or kind of like approaches in the lesson like the focus on the tingle and like move it around and it's all like it's all kind of really relative to where we started with like the Bruce Lee bit of like um, don't think do and like you have the whole um, philosophy of trying easy and it's like I thought that was a beautiful way to put it because it's not it should be you just try easy and then like the idea of focusing on a tingle and finding that spot and being you know not having to dedicate your whole entire life to trying to find that inner peace but do it and then live everything else (laughs) is yeah you know that's but uh oh man well i hope it's the same guy because if not i believe that (laughs) that'd that'd be
1: so nice you got me thinking now i wrote it down cleveland Cloudwater, zendo yep Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. All right, you have to let me know because if not, I've been telling that story for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there was a guy, or uh, probably still a guy in Cleveland that yeah. I used to be in touch with quite, quite a bit. He was uh, a, a, you know, a Buddhist monk. He, uh, you know, he had a regular, real American name. He's not from India or anything. Right. So yeah. He, you know, regular, yeah. Yeah. But he he went by a different name, which I can't recall at the moment. Okay. I have to remember who he was and look at my phone book, see if I still have him. But that would be nice if it's the same guy. I'd love to get back in touch with him. Cool. Cool. <laughs> well, maybe we can make that happen. That's awesome. But, Dave, there's a really good saying that, and I can't remember it. That really captures it for me, and I can't remember. But the, 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 there's couple. One had to do with with enlightenment. Well, they both kind of did, but it, it said something about like the goal is not to be able to walk on water, but something, something to, with your feet on the ground, you mm-hmm. know? Okay. That, And then the other one was like, it's not not to be able to to be in so much of a peaceful state that there's no trauma or whatever, but to be in that traumatic state and find your peace. And I wish I got to find these quotes because they, to me, that's what nails it. Because a lot of us are trying to ignore the human experience. Right. To find some other place. But that, in my mind, we're human. And on Earth, it's about this duality, right? Earth is a physical place. We're spiritual beings, I believe. But I believe at some place we make that choice to come to Earth and live this physical life. Life is about things that move. It's about energy. Everything vibrates. Everything on Earth has a vibration. That's energy, that's life, that's physical. So yes, we're spiritual beings. We have a non-physical part. But on Earth, everything vibrates. Everything is physical. So why try to bypass that physical? Don't right. worry, you're going to get there, right? You're going to die. You're going to leave your physical body. Oh, 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 you're going to leave it. Nobody wants that to happen too soon. Right? right? Nobody. <laughs> so we're trying to be this thing that we aren't, When and we really don't want it. We want to be physical. Who wants to give up their body? We want to be able to escape it at times, but you sleep every night. You, you yeah. do escape. The thing is to be able to find that peaceful place within the midst of the human experience. right? And to me, that's what makes the human experience better. That's what's gonna solve issues, problem, is finding that peace, recognizing it in your fellow man and women, in your brother and sister, recognizing that place inside of them rather than having to find it somewhere else.
0: That's well said. It the it's it's like the it makes me think of the the kind of the bounce off the quotes you you used is the the Bruce Lee Bruce Lee has one that not to not to have the strength to uh, uh, get through a heart or I'm gonna say backwards to have the strength to get through a rough life not to have an easy life ah uh, yeah uh, I'm yeah. mixing it all up right now that's but, it
1: that's it that's <laughs> it man there's some websites you just go online and and look up Bruce Lee quotes yeah. Take you to a website of some of the most amazing quotes. Just amazing. He's an amazing man. He, uh, that was like the first. So, those first couple books I mentioned, I
0: couldn't find them. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I, I, I grew up with a time with no internet, and then we had it. And, like, it was, mm-hmm. so I would always go look for the physical thing. And I ended up finding this book that was basically all bits, all one liners. It was just a book uh-huh. of just one liners from Bruce. And it's interesting because it it covers so much, and like just how he thought about words, and like and, and, and you do the same thing with your work, like just being able to take apart a phrase or pull apart a word, like parents, and like I find that so fascinating. What brings yeah. about certain are these conversations you have? Are these like bits from your brothers? Are these bits from yeah. like how do how do you,
1: not well it 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 starts started with my parents cuz my my parents were were in a sense religious i guess i guess you would probably call them religious but not like what not like a lot of religious people in other words, they they were religious with their feet on the ground they read the bible they knew what was in it but they knew that the bible was kind of outdated the lessons are are still current but You know, we don't walk around like they did at that time, you know. But they talked a lot about the word. My parents were very aware of the words we speak, and they wanted us to be honest. And we had to know what we were saying. We didn't just say things because it fit the topic of the day or it fit the situation. We all said things that we believed and we thought to be right very aware of the word, the vibrations that were coming out of our mouth because they're coming from within. Mm. So we want to be very aware of that. Um, So it started way back then, but my brothers really hit me, turned me on to the idea of looking at words for deeper meanings. For example, um, I, I, I named... Uh, one, uh, two of records that I had out. Uh, one was the the instrumental record was called Sword and Stone. And a lot of us have heard about the fable with King Arthur and Merlin and all of that. But if you take Sword and Stone and take the letter S off of each word and put it at the end, you get words and tones. Mm, okay. And so I had an instrumental record called Sword and Stone, but I had the exact same record um, with the 14 tracks, some of them were small tracks, but nine of the 14 tracks on words and tones had vocals. The same songs, but vocal versions. The Sword and Stone record was an instrumental version, and nine of the 14 tracks were the same. But my brother, more than that, my brothers just, I just like the concept because my brothers, they say there's hidden meanings in words. And that just about any time there's a letter S that that's the letter S is a symbol of a waveform or a vibration. So when you see those letter S's in those words, you look at them and 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 they looked at that whole fable with King Arthur. That's why I put it in the book. They looked at that whole fable. Basically, the story of the sword and the stone is there is a sword stuck in a big rock. And they they somebody knew whoever could remove that sword from the stone. Would be the new king, and all the strong men would try. No one can do it, and it wasn't until this little kid named Arthur came and pulled it right out, and they held him as the new king. And so my brothers is like, w- what does that really mean? Why is that such a famous story? What what's what's it trying to really say? You know, maybe it's saying have the pure heart of a of a kid, right? But when they looked at it more like words and tones, who can pull the meaning, right? Who can pull the uh-huh. tones, which are, which are vibrations, out of the words, the meaning out of the words. Sword and stone are words and tones. Who can pull the torch? Instead of pulling the sword from the stone, pulling the tone from the words.
2: Uh,
1: okay. Right, and they looked at it, and so they started re-looking at that whole fable. And all of a sudden, King Arthur is art mm. so art is king yeah Merlin is a, a magician or he's a, a musician he was the court jester type of guy that the King's always had these you know jugglers and musicians and people around that's who who uh, Merlin was Merlin the, the magician or, or the, the or the musician. Right. So, and they can go through that whole story and show you a whole nother meaning to it. And it's like, whoa, okay, maybe so. Ah, okay. So. Oh so, yeah that that idea came from my brother. So I started wow. looking at a lot of different words.
0: Right, right. Do you remember how old you were when they when they presented that to you like that?
1: I mean, it started really young, but the Sword and Stone was in the two thousands when when I remember them that. One talking about that and that was why i named my record that but they would look at all different types of words and it started really by looking at the bible because when you look at the, the the like the christian bible or probably any bible again they have to write it in a way that we understand it today they weren't using those words whatever thousands of years ago when this stuff supposedly happened so someone had to translate it so when they talked about, in, in the Christian Bible, it says God, you know, he spoke the, he spoke the earth or the universe. It was the word, right? right? A word is a vibration. Mm, okay. Right? right? And a vibration, is, is, it could be a tone. It could be music. Even science today, they say they're finding a, a tone, an actual pitch that's roaming through space and might be holding all the planets in order. Right, the same way gravity gravity is a vibration that holds us. Well, every planet that's spinning creates a vibration, gravity. You speed that or slow down that vibration, it's gonna create a tone. All vibrations are the same thing at different rates right if you if it if it beats at 440 times in a second it'll produce the note A. right but slow that down like you know 1 t- 440 220 110 55 27 and a half you keep going down you, now you're going to hear rhythm. this right now we need a metronome you keep going down you're going to hear something else you keep going up you're going to see colors you're going to see light then it's going to be infrared then it's going to be You know, but it's still just vibrations. It is fascinating. It's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And so words are are vibrations. Right. Words have pitch. They have everything. They're just vibrations. So words, when they talk about in in the scriptures where where God spoke everything into existence or first was the word and all that kind of stuff. My brother's. Because of course they were probably weren't using the word word way back then. Yeah. So why word now? Mm. Is there another meaning where it spawned from? And that's what my brothers look at.
0: That's beautiful. What a my way
1: spirit, that, spiral yeah. spiritual the spirit yeah. ritual of the spirit the ritual of the spiral spiral is like a you know a bass clef that looks like this. Right. Look at Look at it this way. It's doing this. So we're talking about spirals.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. Nice. That's fast. It's beautiful how much can be hidden within that, or not hidden within that, but plainly seen. It's just how you see it. Exactly. Uh, okay. Well, man, exactly. that would, that's going to open that door forever <laughs> when you start <laughs> thinking of it like that. But, yeah, I found yeah. that fascinating through both your books, just how, how you, the ability to take a word like the idea of a parent like, mm-hmm. and I keep going back to that. But like, but even like coincidence when that whole that whole spiel with that and like that yeah. kind of goes into the whole vibration thing, and like right. uh, the a three twenty or three, yeah, three four thirty two four thirty two, um, sure. it, and like just how that adds up and how that all that math is so fascinating. Where that like, would that that is that the same type of train of
1: thought that kind of dove into this. Yeah, the 432 thing came from my brothers also. A lot of stuff comes from my brothers. And and 432 has become very popular. If you look up scientific tuning, right, um, it's become pre- pretty popular. And a lot of musicians are, are, are starting to uh, experiment with tuning their instruments to 432 instead of 440. And I'm not here to say that either is better or worse. Mm. I am here to say that 432 lines up with uh at least western measurements of of life right you know when you when you take those numbers and you look at fibonacci and pi and all that stuff uh 432 lines up more so uh, like for example at at 432 the the note c would be at 256 432 432 is an A, like 440 Mm -hmm. is an A, just a little bit sharper than 432. The note C at 432 goes to 256. So you take 256 and you think about how many gigs you have in your computer or your cell phone, it's going to add up to 256. It's going to be a a relative of that number. In other words, Mm. One plus, I think it's called like base two or something. There's a there's a name for it in math. One plus one is two. Mm-hmm. Two plus oh, okay. two. Okay, yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Eight, sixteen. I can remember when there was sixteen gigs, thirty-two right. gigs, not thirty-three. You'll never get a thirty-three gig right. chip. It'll be thirty-two, then sixty-four, one twenty-eight, two fifty-six. Okay, yeah, right, and so on and so on. So this tuning. At 432 lines up to how we measure the earth right the like I, and I put a lot in the book you go on google and it says we our heart beats an average of 72 beats per minute you add that up by by you know uh, 60 minutes make an hour 12 hours 24 hours it comes down to 864,000 uh Eight hundred sixty-four thousand seconds, or or a heartbeats in a day, or whatever, something like that. I can't remember the exact right. numbers, but eight sixty-four is four thirty-two, doubled. It comes back twenty. Now we're talking twenty-four hours in a day. You add those up, it'll come out to four thirty-two or eight sixty-four. You multiply four thirty-two times four thirty-two, you get the speed of light. Right? Four thirty-two times maybe half or whatever is is maybe I can't remember, but you'll get you'll get 1,028 or whatever, which is the, the, the diameter of the moon or how many miles to the You know, all these numbers keep showing up. So there's something to it that interests me and interests my brothers about how these numbers at this ratio keep showing up. Whether it makes your music better or not, I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely fascinating to
0: think about. Um, Very fascinating. Do you, do you notice uh, have when you play, have you when you play with that tuning do you notice some alignments like that or Uh,
1: me personally i haven't experimented with it enough to really know i do know there um i have some friends there was a band used to be called uh the aquarium rescue unit okay colonel bruce hampton was the leader colonel bruce hampton and aquarium rescue unit uh sadly uh colonel bruce has passed away a few years ago but a childhood friend of mine, Otil Burbage, is bass player for that band. And we knew that band very, very well. But they always played at 432. Interesting. Colonel Bruce was into that kind of stuff. I have talked to a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, a few people who have played with it. This one great uh, guitarist, classical guitarist named Muriel Anderson. She does a lot of things for us at our camps in Tennessee. She heard my brothers talking about 432. So she went home and tuned one of her guitars to 432, and she said that thing just came to life. Hmm. In a way, so I urge people to experiment with it, but you decide what works for you. I don't do it because I'd be out of tune with everybody else I play with. Right. So I tune to 440 because that's the standard. Right. Right. It'd be inter- I wonder if uh, would
0: they, Would you have to adjust the fret, like r- length? Like, would it? Would that? would 432 become more standard if frets were placed in a different way, like on a guitar or like if the ratio of the piano was kind of set differently? Like it. Right. have to be something yeah. like that.
1: Um, yeah. 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 It, 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 things would change, you know, not in a huge way where everybody would hear it. Right. Right. You know, if you tuned your, if you tuned your bass down a little bit, you know, you may have to adjust your the saddle in your bridge to make sure every fret was still in tune because the string, you know, you have to adjust the length of the string. But um, I don't think many people would, would be able to hear the out-of-tuneness that could be caused because the frets are put in a place for 440. Right, right but i've heard a lot of opera singers and and violinists talk about you know these stradivariuses weren't made to be tuned up this high. Oh, interesting. These yeah. operas weren't made for our voices to be this high. Yeah, you know, i've i've heard i've heard about that. Yeah, so i don't know. It's not something i know a whole lot about. It's more fun to talk about.
0: Yeah. I wonder <laughs> i think also your our brains would even if it was that slight like minuscule thing off that ratio a little bit. I better our brains would kind of hear what it meant to be, you like how pianos have three strings. They're all slightly yeah. out of tune, but our brain picks up on the harmonies that, uh, the 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 uh,
1: um, uh, harmonics that equal right. the right note. Um, so that to me, to me, Dave, that's the real thing. Not so much what does it sound like. Can I hear the difference? But can you feel it? Right. Your body knows. Your body knows. I think, I think your body would know the difference. Here's, here's the thing. When I was a kid, we didn't have digital radios. Right? Radio right. stations now are digital. You type in the number and it's right there. We used to have a dial. And we'd have to turn the dial to the station. So it used to be, once you start turning the dial and it got close to the station, you could hear the, the music start to come in, but they're a little bit static. Oh, okay. As you got closer to the station, a little bit more static. But once you got right on the static, on the station, boom, it was like, whoa. It's yeah. like the music became stereo and 3D and everything. So it could be that we're really close to the station right. at 4.4. Okay. But at 4, and, and it sounds great. Sounds great. It's like watching color TV. Maybe the colors are a little off and you don't mind. There's nothing wrong with black and white. Black and white is nostalgic. Some of my favorite photos of my parents are in black and white. Who's to say that's wrong? So, not being in complete color, does not. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. But I think being able to adjust, having both, I can see black and white. I can see color, you know. But how do I know that this TV that I'm looking at you on is the colors are totally right? I don't know. So I look at 432, 440 that way. More so, are you making good music? Are you putting your heart into it? Are you doing something that's really you? Because when you talk to me, I don't know whether it's 440, 450, I don't, I don't know. I'm really paying attention to what you say. And if you say it with your heart, I don't know that it matters what pitch you say it in. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't.
0: Well said. Um, another kind of concept off uh, of off the same train, maybe even the same segment of the book, was uh, you talk about there's 12 tones, right? 12 months of the year, seven days in a week. And then two of those days are the weekend, kind of like a kind of breaking down the scale in the whole steps and half steps. I kind of right. went down the train of thought of thinking like, well, if you lay, if you fill in the whole steps and half steps, like, um, if you went from Sunday to Monday, a whole step, uh, Monday, to Tuesday, whole step Monday or Tuesday, to the Wednesday, half step and like, so on. And it's almost like that kind of rest is put in there in a way like half, like most, I find Wednesdays I'm like exhausted I don't know if that's the same, but it's just kind of like diving into that concept a little more. Like, I I don't know if you – have you ever thought of it kind of like that or
1: (laughs) dove into it? Yeah, I have. I have. uh, You know, and I'm really just hoping people will think a little bit the way you are with these books. I'm not trying to tell people this is the way it is. Right. Just give you things to think about. Yeah, but when you you really relate – Relate the days of the week to the days of a scale. You know, five days, Monday through Friday is like a five note pentatonic scale. Right. It could be that too. Yeah. You know, and the, the two days on the weekend out of two half steps, you can look at it and, and you can start to find some relationships. You know, it's kind of fun stuff to look at. I, th- I still
0: think Wednesday is the, the, the flatted fifth if we make it the blue scale. So it's still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel Leventon. Um, you you, quote, you said he helped you develop that scale at the beginning of the book when you size music from a live experience to an MP3. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. How do you know him? And have you worked on a, any other projects with him?
1: I have. I, I, I met him. Um, well, at first, a lot of us musicians first found out about him when he wrote that book, This Is Your Brain on Me. Right. It's a great book. Um, because Dan is a good musician. Um, but it was that book that brought our, our, our attention to. To him, And then he, he called me to come, because I had done the music lesson, he called me to come speak with him um, at 92nd Street Y in New York, which is a pretty prestigious conversation place. And we did a talk and we played music together in front of an audience and we just hit it off and we've been kept in touch. We've been close friends ever since then. But he's really interested into the in this kind of thing. But he's a scientist. Right. So he likes the science behind it. And, you know, like for me, if pizza tastes good, I don't need to know how you cooked it. I don't need to know any science. I just want another one. <laughs> you know, but some people need to know what temperature you make the dough, what temper, you know, all that. Stuff. And I'm glad there's people that's like that. So that they can totally re- reproduce that piece. I just want I want another slice for me. <laughs> so I like Dan because we can meet on different sides right. of these things. Like, like for example, you know, I can talk about the feeling, and he can talk about the science behind that feeling, and even maybe why you feel it. You know, so I learn a lot from him. I think we learn a lot from each other. You know, yeah. That's cool. But that's how it came together. Years ago, he called me. I had read his book. He had read mine, and we got together to have a conversation. Our first conversation, and it was in public.
0: What brought up that uh, that scale that he came up with, or that you guys came up with by like kind of sizing music oh. down to the.
1: Well, I just told him what I wanted to do. Okay. And I, I started I saying, well, if you know, if, if listening to live music is a, is twelve inches, a foot, because that's a standard. Everyone can imagine what that looks like. Um, you know, what would vinyl be? And we just came out with, a, so let's say eight inches. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not live, but it's the closest thing that we have to get to it. it, it to record-wise, two-inch tape, vinyl, on analog. And then we looked at a waveform being maybe six inches. But it, the, the kicker was, he told me that a MP3... He told me is is about a tenth the size of a waveform. And waveform is what we usually make CDs out of. So if a if a MP3, which is a lot of time what we're downloading from iTunes or what's in our, our phones that we're listening to, we're usually listening to MP3s. And they, he said that an MP three is usually about a tenth the size of a waveform. So if my waveform was six inches, that puts a MP3 at a half an inch, .6 inches. And think about it, that's the norm today. Right. It's- that's the norm, is a waveform. So it doesn't, and and as this one guy I also talk about, um, uh, it came up with Sonoma, Gus. I talk about Gus. He he helped di- he helped invent digital recording. I'm, I got digital recorders right here. He helped invent it, but didn't really like it, huh. Because he said we stopped working on it too soon. Mm-hmm. So he kept working on digital because he, he saw the benefit of digital. But you know the the main digital uh the main digital the, the mainstream digital processors will record 192 thousand pieces of information in a second. It's a lot. yeah, But it's still not what the brain can can perceive. So this guy, Gus, came up with a new system, his own system that's digital, but it records up to three million, or not quite three million, close to three million bits per second, pieces per second. And when you hear it at his studio, or anywhere, you hear it, you go, whoa, whoa. I mean I was brought to tears. I was fighting back tears when I first heard it in the studio because I was thinking, man, I'm I'm am I'm a celebrated musician. I get awards for making music. But even I forgot it's supposed to sound like this. You know, and the average person uh, everybody you can hear the difference. But the average person won't care right. probably. Right. But what you feel, whoa. Mm. Your body and your ears know. No. no. So, Dan, uh, you know, help me come up with this ratio to, 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 to get people to show right away what's happening. In a, in a quick, quickly, I, I'm alive when CDs came out. I can remember getting the first CD player from a record company. It was a gift. We got a CD player, right? CDs were supposed to be indestructible. Supposedly you could play Frisbees with Frisbee music. <laughs> Nothing could destroy them. We found out quickly it wasn't true. Yeah, but there was something different about the CD. They sound good still, but there's something not quite the same, right? Even hearing your mom speak on the telephone or hearing it on a CD is different. Hearing her in the same room is way different. So I wanted people to see that in in the new book, the Spirit of Music, right away what has happened in a few short decades, going from. Live to vinyl, down to a half an inch. Then you put that half an inch through some headphones or, or or computer speakers. Where are we now? Maybe quarter of an inch, mm-hmm. and that's the norm. And you know, wh- but what I see happening, and I'm not—I don't know that I can blame it on that. But I see that music is devalued. We expect it to be free. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say once that. When we were kids, television was free, but we paid for music. Mm. And now, music is free, but we pay for television. Totally backwards, you see what we value. People don't buy whole records anymore. And I'm speaking generally, I know some people do. But most people buy the song they want. They'll listen to 15 Second on YouTube or whatever, the preview on iTunes, and then buy the the songs that they want or the songs that they heard. They don't buy the whole record. We buy the songs we want, we listen to them whatever order we want, so we rarely ever get the artist's true vision. Where back then, every song was in an order on the record for a reason. The album cover painted a whole visual picture of the record, front and back. If it was a double record, even better, because you could open it up, we read everything. Everything. Then we'd pass it over, and they would read everything. But we sat and listened to the whole record. Yeah, we had our favorite songs, but we listened to the whole thing. Not just once. Over and over. And that's how we learned. That's how we learned to play music. We listened, and we jammed. Yeah. It's interesting that all this comes from vibration,
0: and the end-all thing is it moves you. Like, when you got to hear that music and that, with that uh, that that quality and that clarity, it moved you to tears. It physically, a thing that is just moving moves us. Right. And it, it, it's interesting kind of to tie it to the beginning of where we started talking about, like, tying it to like, the idea of music being less valued. Well, maybe it's less valued because it's sm- it, less of it's moving. Like, and less of it can move you because there's less to get through the 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 speakers in our in our in our ears like or the little earbuds uh, compared to like being in a room with a band, seeing someone t- play that song is completely different than the uh, the condensed file that you can carry a million of them for. So it's it's an interesting like a uh, maybe maybe it's how it's being fed to
1: us also kind of de- yeah. devalues it or maybe or, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It, to me, to me, it's the same as the fact, the fact that I can go out and buy a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola cheaper than I can buy an eight-ounce bottle of water. Okay, that's normal. Also, the fact that we buy water, period, is crazy, but it's normal. It's the norm. Hey, will you buy me a bottle of water? There's water in the sink. There's water everywhere. We should be able to drink it. Why can't we? As smart as we are, we can't drink water. And we're not doing anything to fix that. We'd rather just sell it. All right? But water's so good for you, let's make it expensive. Let's make the stuff that's bad for you easier to get and cheaper. Why is it easier and cheaper to get fast food than slow food? When slow food is better for you, right? Right? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? I, I mean, it really just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless it's money driven, right? Unless it's money driven, and you know, I, mean, I won't I won't even go into all of that. But my point here and with this book is that it's decisions somebody is making. You don't have to be smart to realize that water should be cheaper than a cola. Right? You don't have to be a scientist to figure that out. You don't have to be smart to realize that we shouldn't have to pay for water when the country, when the planet, what do they say, 70% water? Right. (laughs) Now we gotta buy it? You don't have to be smart to figure that out. So someone's making decisions. So I'm talking about all of that when I'm talking about music. I just call it music because people will still listen. There's no political decisions or agenda if we're talking about music. Right. If right. I start talking about vaccines, racism, po- politics comes up. Music is still safe from that so far. Right. So I can talk about everything—equality, inequality, racism, sexism, health—and call it music, and still express my views. So that's what I'm doing. It's beautiful,
0: and I think, I think so much of like when it comes to all those topics before, it'd be politics and religion or whatever it may be. I feel like both of those are so, you, you kind of pick a, you, 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 subscribe to a flavor and that's the only flavor you can drink or, you or a rhetoric. And that's the only thing you can repeat. And anyone that doesn't agree with or alters the, 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 the flavor a little bit is wrong. And like, yeah. but it doesn't really allow you to be you. You're just kind of being this group of a thing. And right. I, because I've gotten to the point, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've gotten to the point, and a lot of people have gotten to the point where politics is not, it's, it's not really, I'm not hearing who you are. I'm hearing the group of people you want to be around, or, or you, I'm hearing their opinions through you, which right. is, it's a shame, because I want to know what you think. and like, yeah. I in, But I guess that goes back to kind of what we were saying earlier, too, where if you can't be wrong, how can I really know you? Because you can't be wrong; you have to be right, at least in what you perceive to be right. And
1: right, right. That's a shame. That's right, Dave. That's really nice. Nice. How Absolutely it- right. Yeah, but the cool thing about music is you're still allowed. You're still alive. I'm sorry. You're still allowed <laughs> to like punk rock. Yeah. And polka. Yeah. Right. I don't criticize you for that. But in, you know so, but so in other words, in music you don't have to prescribe to only one style. Right. We're allowed to be free. Well, what kind of music do you play, man? I, I play all of it. It's all same notes. I like all music. Well, who do you pray to? Oh, well, I pray to Allah. I pray to Jesus. I pray to. No, you can't do that. Yeah. All right. Well, what? 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 Uh. You know political are you democrat are you well I like them all no you can't do that you know music is still safe so far it's changing it's changing right it's yeah we yeah yeah, it's changing but I found that I can talk about all of it if I call it music
0: I think it's a it's a because everyone's going to be moved by it it's interesting like I got into a I had a, a wedding gig the other day and the guy was like, it was at this facility that I've played before. I'm like, I was here for the the mayor thing, talking to the guy about how, like, the sound system should be set up. And he's like, oh, the Democratic thing in Parma. He's like, yeah, I'm Republican, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, sorry if you're, whatever, but, you know. And I'm like, I'm a musician, so I, do I, where do I plug in? Like, it, it, <laughs> it just, it, I didn't, I feel like that even, like, right there, the guy was still a nice guy, but, like, yeah. he was trying to, Kind of, I don't know. It's just a weird angle of it. None of that really right. mattered for for this couple's wedding. Like it's their yeah, night. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah. Well, those. I mean, those those views, those sentiments are so uh, pre- prevalent right now. Right. You know, politics. Uh, really, politics right now is speaking the loudest right now, and so everything is kind of being seen through political eyes. Yeah. Whether it's vaccinations. Whether it's racism, you know, to a lot of people of color, man, the American flag as of late has taken on a whole nother meaning. Right. You know, you might as well be flying a Confederate flag or a KKK flag when yeah. you see the American flag these days, and that's sad. Yeah. But if you think about it, that's what America was built upon. Right. Let's kill this race of people. Let's bring in. Let's hijack this or another race to build it for us, and so that us, you know, white people can be be happy that's sad to say but it's real that's what happened you can't argue that you can argue but you're wrong that's what happened yeah right and 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 so you got races of people that are still trying to fight for that equality but if you fight people say well be peaceful if you be peaceful and kneel for the flag they say oh you're wrong there's nothing you can do But all of a sudden, this is going to sound mean, and I don't mean it this way, but now all of a sudden you get a pandemic and a virus. Don't care what color you are. They don't care who you voted for. All of a sudden, it's affecting everybody. All of a sudden, the people who were always in charge of politics are starting to lose. And can't you see them panicking? Panicking so much that they'll storm the Capitol? They're doing the same things that they condemned people for doing back in the 50s and 60s. Right. Rioting, racing. The same flag they're mad at me for kneeling at, they're using that same flag to stab people in the capital. Panicking. So it could be that there's about to be real change because the people that need to make the change are getting affected. Right. Before it only affected the pe- the gays, it only affected the black people, it only affected the Mexicans. We could sit pretty, but not anymore. Now everything's getting threatened. Right. So it might be a time for some real change. One can hope. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Right. Yeah. People, your age, the younger generation, y'all ain't standing for this nonsense, right? What you yeah. mean? Just because I'm gay, I can't have the what? Just because I'm women, I gotta make less. T- what? Just because yeah. I'm black means I can't enter. What? The younger people ain't attached to that thought. There's like no way. No, we gotta change this stuff, and I'm loving it. Definitely,
0: definitely. That's one. That's what we gotta hope for is something. To add something. Well, and it seems like full circle too, right? With how you described it, now it's now it's going full circle. So there has to be something. There has to be some type of change
1: yeah well, it's not full circle because there well it depends on what we're talking about because there's right. people that in in this country that have never had the rights, right, right. So it can't be it can't be full circle yet, you know if that's what we're talking about. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if that's what we mean by that, but it does seem like we may be reaching the place to where some real change is you know, where we can become the America. That really is for all people, right? As not a, just not just words, you know. Not just in in the Constitution, one for all. But even when they wrote that, uh, you know, a, a, a black person was only worth one fifth of a man. Right. So they weren't talking about them, you know. But maybe we really can become the country that 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 stands for what we say we do, right? And, and can reconcile and admit that we were founded on lies. Okay, the, the country lied to the Native Americans, right? How do you discover a country, they say. How do you discover a country when there's people already there, right? right. The American way was, hey, let's kill them. <laughs> that's how we do it, right? And, and that's what happened. And then, you know, uh, uh, Africans got brought over Against their will to actually build and do the work and get experimented on. A lot of vaccines and things we have is because people were experimented upon. That's not in the history books. Right. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff. But we have the opportunity because of it, we're a new country. We're not France, we're not Europe. We're talking we're a few hundred years. This is a new country. We have we still have the opportunity to get it right. Right. We still do. We're still a young country. We're just talking about a few generations. Right, right. right. But I don't expect it to happen quickly because, you know, these laws that were in place. I mean, when I was born, my mom couldn't vote. So we're only talking about a generation ago. A couple generations, there were still slaves, you know, stuff like that, separate water fountains and stuff like that. So we got some work to do. But your generation and the next are making sure that we do it. And I'm loving it. I'm seeing it. And I'm loving it. But it's scaring some people. And you can see them panicking. Right.
0: Well, it's interesting. Like, the kind of, the kind of like, putting in a way of what we've talked about, like, these words holding, holding like, vibrations, right? And you string a word, uh, a, 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 a collection of words together. We get a sentence. We get enough of a sentence. We get a phrase. And they kind of touch upon what you've talked about when in, uh, in the music lesson is phrases being phases and phases being phrases. It's a beautiful way that hope that we're going to a new phase from mm-hmm. the phrases that we say. And right. that it, you, that's going to affect how we think and how we interact with each other. Yeah. And it's a, exactly. Exactly.
1: In the book, the, yeah, the, the spirit of music, if, if you remember, uh, it's, it was said that the phasers are now allowing themselves to be seen. Ah. Oh, okay. Okay? They yeah. used to not be seen. Now they're being seen. That's a desperate method. method you know, that's a desperate move. Right. Okay, we're going to show you who we really are. Oh, so, okay. there's a desperate thing there. But also, in the spirit of music book, you don't know if... It never says who saw the phasers. Except... Ali, Victor, my character, right. Seiko, right? Maybe Jonathan, Michael. Only this group of people, the public, that are playing in the street and all that stuff. We don't know if they really saw the phasers or not. So the phasers could be here. Only some see them. We don't know. So maybe only some of our uh, some of us are aware that the phasers even exist. Isn't that real life? Right. Mm -hmm. Some people are just going about life like normal. But you can't be the hero unless you have some people. You can't be the leader unless you have people that follow. You can't be the great bass player, the great interviewer, unless there's people that are less than that. So we need some people to not see so that we can be the seers. So all of it on earth is a part of the whole puzzle. That's why the orchestra is so beautiful, because the instruments are different. Right. The orchestra is not just full of flute players. You got 50 flute players. No. <laughs> you got violinists. You got second violinists. You got a whole, the same instrument playing different stuff. You got violas. It's like a violin, but lower. You got cellos. You got flutes. You got French horns. You got trombones. The orchestra is different. So music's got it right. We celebrate our differences. Mm. Not only do we celebrate the differences, we recognize you that you're different. You're a flute. Be a flute. Right. Don't try to be a bass player. Don't try to flute. You're not a snare drum. Be a flute. We recognize and celebrate who you are. So my brother Joseph always says, take what you know about music and use it when you're off the instrument. Mm. Right? Recognize someone who he is and celebrate who she is. Right. Don't try to make them be like the bass player or whatever. Right? But we can still make beautiful music Music together. We'll make more beautiful music together if we recognize our differences. That's well said. And it, it music, all comes music together. Music says it. Yeah. That's just what music
0: does. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Or it's well heard.
0: Maybe. <laughs> maybe... <a>
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's... Um, to shift it in a, in a you talk about uh, attaching uh, intent with music throughout both books and in some lectures and stuff uh, uh, or at least um, some videos I've seen um, what like and I with the idea of putting the spirit of music into that and kind of like communicating like I, I heard something or I read something about one of the camps where you have an exercise to do such I know this is a, this is a kind of a big twist from what we're talking about but for some reason it made me think about that um and like in it it's what i'm trying to find a way to ask this without saying how do you how do you do that right yeah. or how does one begin to f- find a way to put their intent musically and communicate with somebody like that and um is it like a, I, I i don't know how to how to really phrase that other than or maybe better better yet how did you come across the idea that that
1: can happen as far as like um i mean because it can happen off of music it's just like if you have a good friend a a, a spouse or a a parent or whatever you know how they're feeling if, if they say good morning or whatever they'll say good morning that's the rest right words but you might say well what's wrong <laughs> you know right they, they said it right but you know that there's something behind it in the same way, if a person has dirty hands, you don't want them cooking their your food, right? Because physical dirt can get into it. It's the same with mental dirt or mental uh, medicine, right? So in other words, when you think a thought, yeah. science knows that there's a vibration going on. You probably know that your something vibrates even when you think. Right? They can measure, they can they can put things and tell that you're thinking and they're studying musicians what we're thinking. They can see the brain do stuff. That's vibration. Even light is a vibration. Right. Right. So when we think, can we agree that there's a vibration going on? Definitely. Yeah, so does that vibration stop right here at the skull? Mm, okay, all right. Or does uh, it keep going? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So, there's a vibration if I have an intention, if I have a thought, if I have a feeling, if I have a tingle, it's a vibration. Can we see it? Maybe not. Can we measure it? Maybe not. A musical note is also a vibration. What do you think might happen if you put the two together? Amplify it or cancel it out, right? Bingo, absolutely.
0: Yeah, oh man, that's fascinating. I heard, I, yeah. I can't remember a bit or something I read or heard you talk about and I was like, how does that work? And that's, sure. that's or not how does that work, yeah. that's that's a fascinating,
1: because that, that makes sense. It does make sense. It's easier to see it and do it with words. Right. The same way you can, if you know a person well, you can tell if they're having a good day. When you when you meet them, when you talk to them on the phone, you might call your mom. You know, hopefully your mom is still alive. Mine isn't, uh, not in the physical, but I, you know, yeah. she she's still alive in my mind. But you can call your mom and just say hello. That's two syllables, and they can know a whole lot about you. Right. Hello, mom. Oh, hi, hi, son. What's wrong with you today? You got <laughs> something. What, tell me what's going on, you know? They know everything. Because you grew in their belly. They've been feeling them vibrate. Yeah. The vibrations that made you grow are the daddy's vibrations and the mom's. And even more so the mom's. Because you live inside the mom for nine full months almost a year from the inception of your physicality of you becoming physical is inside that mom so that mom is so in tune whether they're aware of it or not now you get an aware mother or even aware father but the mother's been physically attached to you for nine months that's almost a year Right. Yeah. Of life, not just learning to play an instrument or something for nine months. I'm talking about growing, living. You go from nothing we can see to whatever, eight, 10 pounds, six, eight, 10 pounds of physicality inside that mom. That mom knows so much about you. Right. And they feel you. Now, I had one of those moms. We could be anywhere in the world. She would know what's going on with us, especially if something was going wrong. So when I actually utter a physical word, now she knows more. You get a physical vibration with the mental that's already happening. It's the same thing we do with our music. Right? Mm -hmm. We make who we are physical and we send it to people who receive it. It's different than just being in the same room. When you create that physical vibration, it's more powerful. We all understand if what, if what I think, what I think and the intent I put behind what I say matters. Well, I love you. I don't, doesn't feel like you're telling me the truth. It's not just a word, you know. You're walking down the street, you can tell if that person's into you or not. Oh, I might have a shot with this guy, this girl. You know, you know. There's so much that we know unspoken. Put what's unspoken into a physical vibration and send it to someone. Whether you call it a note, a scale, a song, a lyric, It could just be a thought. It's a vibration. And like waves in the motion. Soon as these two waves hit, they are changed. And you can't unchange them. Right? You look at two waves hitting, neither wave stops. One wave doesn't hit the other and it just bounces back. No. They merge. Right. Right? And they're forever changed. So we're doing that. A hundred percent of the time. Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow. Never thought of it I like just want to be more aware of the vibrations I'm putting out there. Right. But you can't get them back. You can't get them back. So I want to do as best as possible to make sure that my vibrations have the right intent. How you receive them is up to you. Because I can say, hey, Dave, how you doing? Don't talk to me like that. That's up to you. Right. Right, my intent's good. Uh, that's fascinating. I have no yeah. I, right. I have no control over how it's received. I only have control over how I put it out. And however you put it out is not going to please everybody. Right, because sometimes
0: they're going to have that that dirt, uh, that mental dirt in their own receivers.
1: It and it may so, not be dirt. It may be more light than you. Right. Or that cancels out. And, and we thought we had the light. And we find out, oh, wait a minute. I need to change my view. Right. Because think about it. Everybody thinks they're right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who are more right. More enlightened. So we need to take our rightness as with a grain of salt share it you know it's like a light there are light bulbs that are
0: brighter yeah it's i mean it's interesting with the comparison of a light bulb right you'd think uh eventually it, it grows dimmer um but a, a a new bright bulb a new bright bulb a light bulb will burn bright but that doesn't always equate to like experience right it's kind of the opposite so i guess but it maybe maybe the better thing to compare it to would be like a flame right it burns down to the coal, and the coal's hotter, even though it's not as flashy. And there's an equal yeah. amount, but I think I took just took another metaphor and fell into the one spot with it. But that's
1: I like it. I like it. But but a light a light like if I light a match in here, you don't see much light from it because right. it's already bright. Okay, all right. So for this light, for this light to to to, to seem bright, it has to get dark. Right. So for many of us in life that are trying to grow our light, you can't see how brilliant you are in a room full of brilliance. Ah. It has to get dark around you. So a lot of us want to get better. We want to be the light, not realizing for our, our light to sound bright, it has to get dark. Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of times we we're, we're, we get on a course. We find a new religion. We find a new whatever, and then it gets dark around us. And we pay more attention to the darkness rather than realizing that for me to be brilliant, it has to get dark. For me to shine this light that's only the light is a match, for it to shine bright it has to get dark. Right? Being brilliant around a bunch of brilliant people is easy. Playing music with good musicians is easy. If you want to be really great, you play with some musicians that aren't as great as you. Right. And make them sound good. So, think about all of our heroes. Whether it was For me, Dr. Martin Luther King, whether I'm reading about Jesus, Buddha, or whatever, they didn't just hang with the best people. Right. They went to the depths of the worst and brought their light there. They did both, they did both. But in many cases, your light will shine the brightest in darkness. And at least with the with the uh, Western religion of Christianity, that's how I see that, that light shining with you know with, with Jesus in the in the Bible. And I look at it as, as we can argue over whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter to me, right. because I wasn't there. Right. <laughs> you weren't there. Nope. If I told you what I did today, you weren't there, you'll believe me because I said it, but to you it's just a story. So it's up to you whether you believe it or not. So I take these Bibles, and I say Bibles, plural, because all the religions have them. I look at them as stories. What can I learn from them? And what I really learned is that the light needs darkness to be the light. Right, right. And all these people, Dr. Martin Luther King, he went to where it was needed. He went to the darkest places and helped them shine brighter. And his light, even though he's not here, is still bright. Jesus did the same thing. Buddha did the same thing. The Dalai Lama who's, who's in India right now who had to escape Tibet and he's still there and he's still shining that bright light and making everybody better, even from afar. That's what it's about, right? It's not just being bright in a bright place. It's bringing your brightness to help shine light on darker places. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, it's uh,
0: there's a whole um, Hegel uh, concept, I think it's Hegel, where like you're defined kind of by the people around you, right? And say if you take an Enlightenment idea, like you you learn from all these scholars around you. You hang out with all the neuroscientists, and you know about how the brain works. And then you hang out with some musicians, and you're like, yo, that the reason. Our brains expect this to happen is because you set up these uh, expectations and these limits or whatever. So now you're this bright light bringing insight to to Victor's book because you hung out with a bunch of scientists and you learned from them to shine it in a place. It's in. But that being said, like uh, the Hegel thing is like the people around you are how you define yourself or because they tell you you're that like, you're a bass player, you're a musician, you're an Arthur, uh, an Arthur you know, the aardvark. Um But, like, it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's because other people have said it, but putting it into the concept with that, it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful because, like, um, it also makes me think of the Joe Strummer bit, like, without people you're nothing. So if we mm. didn't have any of those people to learn from or enlighten or even define who we are without without a mother, you're no one's son, without a Without a kid, you're you're no one's father. Or, uh, without a coworker, it's it's so, a really fascinating way to put it.
1: Think, right. We, we need that context as humans. Definitely. We Definitely. need it to so, to know who we are. We have to, uh, it, know, not, not even know, but we have who we aren't has to exist. Definitely. And that that's I've heard it, uh, I've heard it called the original sin. But it's which is the gift of choice. Mm-hmm. Huh. If you want to choose anything, the opposite of your choice has to exist. Right. So choice is a gift and a curse. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's Right. And maybe what people call heaven is there's no more choices. It's just what it is. Everything's maybe what might call beautiful, but you can't call it beautiful because what's not beautiful has to exist at that point. Yeah. So we can't understand it on Earth because we need what we call balance. You can't balance without two sides. Right. Right. I even talked about that in this new book. You know, we all want to be in the center, but we live on the edge of the Earth. You can't live in the center. You know. Yeah. So it's being able to know where you are and be in balance wherever you are, right? Right. But to be in balance, you have to know both sides, right? The person on the high wire has a long pole that really reaches way out here. Now, they're in the center, but you know that they're aware of every end of the tip of that, and they're doing this the whole time with that pole. So they're manipulating the edges, to maintain being centered. It's not ignoring the edges. Right. That's not what centered is. It's being totally aware of all of it. I exist here, but my mind is there. Right. You see? Yeah, yeah. It's not my mind is only here. If that guy on the high wire doesn't know what's going on here, he's gonna fall. Yeah. So it's not that our heroes, Jesus, Buddha, Dalai Lama is right here, they're here. Right. That's what centered is. Not ignoring that is being here and aware of both sides. That's balanced, that's centered.
0: Beautiful. It's well, just like if you wanted to find the center of the circle, you got to find the, per- the perimeter, right? You got to be able to trace the whole thing.
1: And uh, how do you know you're in the center if you don't know where the, the edges are? Right, right. Smart man. I like that. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I never thought yeah. of it like that. But that's, and it, oh, yeah.
0: man, I forgot what I was going to It's, shoot, I had, a, had something that made me think of it. Now it escaped me, but I'll come back. Um, It'll come back in in the middle of something else, um, but the kind of the kind of like I don't even know how the the shift gears from that. But one thing, just as as being the kind of growing up in a family of musicians and like uh, being a, it was, was kind of like not going to be not an option to have music in your life somehow. Like what I found fascinating about your story is you were opening for Curtis Mayfield at five, like yeah. I mean, I know this is a complete A-B turn, but this is just me. I forgot the thing I was gonna compare that to. So I'm trying to cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll admit that mistake and commit to the bit. But like at, at that age, like music, like you, you talk about how music, um, when you like a, a child learning to talk, right? And, and if you encourage it, the child will learn to speak. And I find that so true. And I share that with so many of my students. And like, because everyone has this idea of perfection, right? And if you don't achieve it, because there is the the cartoonish bit of the person not being able to th- sing and everyone being like, "Ooh, you know, can't I can't withstand you trying to figure out your violin. I gotta walk away." But yeah. so much of it, it is like, oh, you got that, you got the three notes out of smoke on the water. You, you're getting a, you're almost saying a full sentence. That's great. But so much of that isn't encouraged. To grow up in a family like that, like that had to be right.
1: That was all I knew. I didn't know how good it was until I was well an adult and started teaching people. You know, because I mean, you know, it. You you grew up speaking English. I can tell. Yep. But imagine if I'm from Japan. I say, Wow, Dave. How did you learn? So what was your practice routine? You know, how did? Can you help me with my practice routine? How many hours a day? You. you you'd be like. Yeah. I just talked my family talked I talked you know that's how I learned to play music I didn't have a practice routine a schedule yeah a method we just played we jammed if there was a song I had to learn my brother taught it to me when I was that young when I was about nine or so now I got to learn it myself you know but you start there with language nobody teaches you to talk not what, not in the way we think of teaching. Sit down, lesson time. This time of day, go practice. Yeah. Didn't happen. You were jam. You were in it from day one. You were jamming with the best pros. You, ne- you never knew you were a beginner. No one ever treated you that way. You were never even corrected or, 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 or told you were wrong. That's why you can speak freely now, because you didn't grow up in a way where oh, I'm wrong if I mess up. I'm afraid. Of... That's music.
0: So when by age five, that be playing for Curtis Mayfield, was that like that seemed completely normal, right?
1: That's, that's all I knew. Again, it's all I yeah. knew. I grew up before those Curtis Mayfield days. We would jam in the front yard, and then we would play for kids' parties, and then we would play for weddings. Then we were playing at the officers' club, and all of a sudden, people started hearing us. They started having us open concerts for big shows. Curtis Mayfield, War. Wow. Temptations, yeah. you know. And I, I mean, that was just what it was for me. I grew up in it, you know, and this was before I even started school. What? Yeah, so I, I yeah. Think, I look back on it now. I look back on it now and realize how special it was. But if you can speak English really well, or Japanese, or whatever your first language if you can speak that really well at five, no one calls you a genius. It's right. normal. Yeah. It's just not normal to be that good at music at five, right? Unless you were in our family or any other family where they, had, you know, the the older siblings or the parents play music. Anytime I see a young kid that's really good, I just say, "Who else in your family plays?" Oh, my big brother. Oh, my dad. Oh, my mom plays piano. That's all. That's, that's all it takes is someone else doing it. Yeah. I had four older brothers that all played, and they needed a bass player. And so when I was born, that was me right away. <laughs> wow. So in a sense, they, I was just lucky. Yeah. You know, I know spiritually way behind the scenes there's more than luck. But speaking, you know, in an earthly term, I was lucky to be born to those people. That's why I'm as good as I am. Not because I practiced a lot. or I just was born into it. The same way you're good at English. You wouldn't call yourself a prodigy at 5. You know, you could if if your family was singing, you could have gone and sang opening for whoever at 5. Big deal. I was just playing bass. Now it's not normal. It's not normal. So it's considered, you know, wow or whatever. So I get that and I accept it. But when I look at what I was born into, it's obvious. And so I've just carried that For I still don't like to practice. <laughs> but because I, you know, you don't practice talking English. You interview people. You don't sit around and practice for, you know. Yeah, Like no. we practice music. You don't practice, you know, A, E, I, O, U or, Sometimes you know, like. the alphabet. When's the last right. time you even said the alphabet, right? But we're still playing scales 50 years later, you know play music
0: it's it's interesting that so much of that routine makes it harder to like it makes it harder to be musical because there's so much focus on the technique
1: and like well, we go back to our training right because our training is our habit my habit was to play you know even with language if you learn a new language let's say like i'm i'm, I'm using duolingo to, to learn Spanish yeah If you take up a lesson, uh, a language, and they teach you a new Spanish word, you don't go in a room and practice that word over and over. You use it in a sentence. They tell you to use it. it. But in music, we tell you to go practice what I showed you. Don't use it yet. You got to get good at it first. But whether you can say, whether you can say adios properly or not, you're still using it in a sentence.
0: Right. It's put the context. It's saying something.
1: Sorry. That's the the key. And even if you're saying it wrong, and if you're a baby calling it a baba rather than a bottle, as long as your parents know what they're talking about, you're good. And more than that, they're saying it wrong too. Hey, Dave, here's your baba. (laughs) Yeah, they encourage it. They encourage it because it's the meaning that's more important getting the word right they know the word will come but in music you mess up a C major scale by putting a C sharp in it we got to stop right now we got to go practice that scale some more and then 30 years later or 15 years later you realize if you're playing a C major the note that Miles Davis is going to play is a C sharp <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to so that. So now we're back to the C sharp again. Wait a minute, I remember that fifteen years ago. You told me not to play it.
0: Yeah. It is fascinating. We eventually learn the rules to break the rules, and how much more fun kind of it just more fun breaking the rules can kind of be. I've had a i have had had a student this summer who uh, I, I would. I got this this uh, MIDI device thing. You can plug fruit into it, right? And then the fruit oh, becomes yeah. the way the play. It's called Playtronica or something like that. And the kids love it. Like, like, oh, this avocado is a note now. And we would loop it and make beats. And uh, yeah. one kid was like, can we use the peanut butter? And I'm like, oh, we can use the peanut butter. And I just made a bit with it. But that became so fun to say food wrong. It became a whole joke throughout the summer. Oh, peanut butter and jelly, Like, it it's it became playing again, and yes. I, it's it's like reverting it, and that's that's fascinating. but I found that that so motivating to, it, it's so welcoming to think of it that way. And now, when you're like at five and you've been playing for five years and like opening for the temptations and stuff, and do they recognize that? Do you get some like like working like playing with these groups? are they coming up and being like, are they seeing it as an anomaly? Or are they seeing it for like, wow, these guys embraced it or like they grew up in this or like what was kind of oh, like? Oh,
1: yeah, they, they, they recognized it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there was a time where Curtis Mayfield was going to discover the Wooten Brothers. You know, we were in a studio a while and it wasn't really him. It was his management, his people. But yeah, I can I can barely remember being in the studio with some studio musicians and stuff, and I was five, maybe six. And uh, But it, it just, it finally just whatever fell through and didn't happen. And, and I was an adult when I realized, oh, I'm sorry, not realized, but I was an adult when I heard the story that my mom said, yeah, back then somebody said, there's already a group of five brothers living in California. We don't need another group of five brothers on the scene. My other group was the Jackson Five, <laughs> so our whole five brother thing got shelved, <sighs> which was a, a a blessing in disguise. Right. But sometimes, you know, if you make it too young, your brain doesn't get a chance to really settle. You you grow up as who you are in the eyes of who people think you are. Right. And our parents really weren't about that. Doesn't matter what people think of you; it's who what you think of you. People go, people have a choice of what they think of you. Now, because my career is dependent upon what you think of me, I want to know what you think. But you don't decide who I am. All right? Because to you, I'm a bass player. To me, I'm, I'm a human being. But if I want to sell records and, and put my kids through college, through being a bassist, I need to know what you think. So I'm very aware of it. But who I live with is who I, what I think of myself. That's what really matters first. So our parents were really into that, what we think of ourselves. And it's hard to get there if you're in the world view at a very early age. Because that can change you and the parents. That's what Britney Spears is going through that right now. Yeah. You know, with her parents. And it's, it's hard to find someone who doesn't go through that when they're when they're very, very famous, world famous, very young. Whether they play sports, whether they're an actor, whether they're a musician, or whatever. Things have the, 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 the chance of changing. It can change for the good or for the bad, but it rarely doesn't change at all. Mm. But in the case, you have to, the best is for you to know who you are. And our parents made sure that we knew that first. And that we loved who we were, that was the key yeah gotta love you, but at the same time, our parents knew what we were facing five black kids born in the fifties and sixties. It was a different America back then, right different world, so they knew what we were facing. they knew that it was very possible, very probable that the or the world the country we were living in would not support who we were as people, so we had to know who we were as people and support each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, us brothers, we're so supportive of each other. We never fought as kids. Parents wouldn't even even let us argue. We could have disagreements, but we couldn't argue about it. Just try to prove you're right. Couldn't do that. But we all know who we are. We all love who we are. And then what you think about me, if you love me, that's a bonus.
0: (laughs) That's It kind of bounces back to the the bit we talked about with the Bruce Lee thing, the self-knowledge, the knowing who you are. And that's beautiful. That not only were you in an environment that nurtured like this creative outlet, but also the self outlet. Because mm-hmm. for years, so many people are trying to find who they are, even, and just the the come to that self love and self value. Yeah. And like, I think maybe like a, having a musical outlet or or a creative outlet, something that you can kind of put out there and measure it outside yourself more often than not makes that easier to find that direction and start to develop that self-love like i'm not a good painter but i can paint a real a real good uh, cat you know i'm really i'm a really good cat painter you know what i mean like there's ways to kind of justify it in that way which may make it easier for some people to reach that on their own but that's so beautiful that you grew up in that um in the studio is that like kind of an alien environment like
1: I mean, this well, I know I'm asking you to remember at five, but like I I don't I don't recall it okay. that much. But but there were other studio musicians and stuff. Yeah. I do remember this around that same era. I do know I was five for this. Uh, us us brothers and our parents are always there. We did go into the studio and record two songs that that we made a 45 out of two original songs. Yeah, and and that was new for me. And I vividly remember that this particular studio, for some reason, we couldn't hear the bass when we recorded it. I could not hear myself. So I did have a little hollow body, uh, looked like Paul McCartney's Hofner. Okay. But it was a Univox, but it looked. Just like that, so it's got a little bit of a hollow sound, a little acoustic sound. That was my original bass. So, I'm, but I'm hearing my brothers do these yellow earphones, yellow foam, which I can clearly see, but I couldn't hear the bass. But I so, but I had to play these two songs and record them. I didn't know that was supposed to be hard. No one ever said that. This is what I have to do: not play without hearing myself. I know these songs, so I do it. I look back on it now and say, wow, at five years old, you recorded two songs without hearing yourself. <laughs> That's special. But kids are resilient. They just do what you tell them. They just, right. you know. And so when kids grow grow up around brilliance, is what you were talking about, who you surround yourself with. That's why the kids learn to talk. That's why you learn to talk so fast. You surround yourself with the best. Right. And right? if they weren't good at English, you wouldn't be. But you're speaking with the best. I was speaking with great musicians. Is what's here's the real story. When I'm two, this the earliest I can remember Reggie really showing me stuff. I'm about two years old. Yeah. Reggie and I'm when I'm when I'm two. Reggie was only ten. He's my oldest brother. He was only ten when he was teaching me. So he's also teaching five-year-old Joseph how to play keys. So think about this. I'm two, 10-year-old Reggie's teaching me. By the time Reggie's 13, we're opening for Curtis Mayfield. Wow, yeah. How many 10-year-olds do you know that have the know-how, the patience, the care, the empathy to teach their little brothers how to play that well, that fast, and put together a band with the five boys? That's the real story.
0: Yeah, I don't know many I, I'm a teacher I see a lot of 10 year olds sure. and I, <laughs> I know a lot of talented 10 year olds and yeah. that's that's for sure but like that's a that's a special one for sure
1: very special wow. um, so it's my brothers who are really special I was just a product of them I tell everybody that yeah beautiful um, to make sure my wife wasn't calling my wife's okay. phone messed up today so. oh no yeah
0: was it um uh, well a couple more questions i really appreciate your time man we've been talking for a minute and like just even this coming together i I, i'm like man i feel so bad bugging bugging victor but man that would be so awesome to pick your brain for a little bit so this i really really appreciate this time so thank you
1: well i i appreciate it too and and, you know you bugged me in a in a kind way thank you you know and to me that 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 means this is somebody who really wants something Where it means something to you. And, uh, you know, it didn't totally just seem self serving. You know, you told me about some of the stuff that you're into and the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, um, music therapy and stuff. You know, you're not in music therapy for yourself. Nope. (laughs) You know, so that means a lot. That means a lot. You know, so um, it's rare I say yes to people the first time thank you 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 just want to see how what it means to them plus i get asked to do a lot of interviews i I really do i believe it (laughs) and uh but many people are doing it just so that they can put your my name on their roster yeah they don't they don't really care they're not going to ask real good stuff like this we're not really going to get anything they just want to say well yeah i interviewed this person too and i interviewed this person too I'm like, cool. Yeah, you know, I I don't need to do another interview in my life. I'm happy to do them. I yeah. hope I get to do more, but right. I'm happy if they don't, you know. So I, I like it when, when it really does mean something to someone and, and they're kind about it.
0: Thank you. I, okay. I was I was pretty nervous to to keep pestering in a and like I'm like, oh because like the the and I I know I've pitched this in the in the initial when I reached out, but I went to school for music therapy. And, uh, when I started playing music professionally, I was playing in nursing homes. I was playing, I basically said yes to any gig cause not, not just the income, but for more of experience and like learning how to be like water. How do you play music here? How does that work? And like that was fascinating to me was just seeing Mm. how you can make, what the way I organize sounds and put them this way, make them work in different environments, and um, so that's where the music therapy aspect came in. And like, yeah. which is which is an awesome field, and like it has an extreme amount of uh, well intent with it, and it's scientifically backed on a lot of things. And like, and a lot of it needs more, which is really yeah. cool. Um, but out of reading all these texts and like. Like if if I pull up this book right here behind, hopefully I don't unplug my thing. This is, oh no, uh, Alicia. Uh man, I knew no, that I'm would happen. I'm still here. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I uh, okay. Uh, all right. I unplugged the thing. Like this big old book right here. This is a eight nine hundred page book on the. What's that called? It's called the uh, the handbook of music in the brain. And it's by, I think, Daniel Livington's. No, he's not in it. Taut's in it. Michael Taut. Yeah. And, like, he developed this uh, a neurologic music based therapy where they have, like, a certain, they have regimen things they do, but they read it's how your brain interacts to, like, certain things, like just sound input, vibrations, and, like, and they develop these techniques that are standard. And this is all that, that goes into it. And it's really well thought out and fascinating. But the book that really made me think and rationalize all this stuff as well as playing music and being expressive and teaching music, which I fell into was the lesson. And like uh, that being kind of the intent of the book, but that, that made me rationalize that big book I just showed you way more. And like, just because, and I go back to it every couple years and reread it. And uh, I find some of that so fascinating. And the reason I I wanted to ask about intent was last year I was rereading it, and um, that whole concept of zero, which is fascinating, right? Um, I, I teach pre-K to senior high, right? And my third graders, you know, so, like, they're super witty, right? And, like, I, I don't say anything about, you know, what I'm reading or, you know, they, they don't have interest with that. But I'll... I came in there one day and one student looks up. He's like zero. It was almost like from the book. Like he's like, zero is not a number. Like, whoa, I didn't even say anything about it. He's like, it's crazy. It's something and nothing. And he goes up on the board and starts ranting. And like, I was like, that's so profound. And I just <laughs> read that part in this book. And then I shared it with him and it became a moment we shared, but like I had no intention on bringing that up. And it's, it's it just to kind of go th- like that, Intent being transferred is is profound. I don't know if that was it or if yeah. you just had to say that, but it did. <laughs> That's so cool. I really, uh, really appreciate That's your cool. time, all this being said. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain about was a little b- 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 before we split. Um, you're working on a concerto
1: for the lesson? No, no, I wrote it already. Okay. Um, it, it, it's for the. I, I, I took the song, The Lesson, which is which is written, again, written a measure at a time in the book, The Music Lesson, but I wrote a concerto based on the song, The Lesson, where I stretched it out into three movements for electric bass and orchestra, and it's called The Lesson Three. Okay. I, I titled it in Spanish, Les Lesiones Tres. I gave it a Spanish title, The Lesson 3, but in Spanish. Okay. And I performed it with one orchestra. I'll be performing it in October, if all goes well, with the Boston Symphony. So that should be fun. Wow.
0: And is it, uh, I think I heard somewhere you were
1: recording like it was a video recorder? I will record it. If all goes as planned, I will record it. But not yet. I want to record, I want to play it a few, at least, you know, maybe after the Boston, I'll start recording it's, this is the second concerto that I've written. But the first one, I co-wrote it with a woman named Connie Ellisor, okay. a wonderful violinist from Nashville. We co-wrote it, and one of the orchestras, I think we performed it with five different orchestras. It's called the, the Bass Whisperer. Ah, uh, cool. Concerto for electric bass and orchestra. Yeah. And so one of the five orchestras we did it with asked for another one for their 2020, 2020 uh, season. And so um, I decided, well, I want I do want to write another one, but I want to write it myself, completely myself. And instead of from start instead of starting from scratch, I started from the song, the lesson. Oh,
2: okay.
1: And took that lesson and then branched out. So in the second movement, you hear that song branched out, but then the first movement is leading up to the song, the last movement kind of takes it further you don't even really hear the song but there if you listen closely there are elements from it and it branches into a new piece so i started from there and wrote out like this okay it's kind of cool that's awesome but the 2020 season didn't happen because of covid right Right. so then we recorded it we we finally recorded uh i think it was this year so yeah sometime this year we recorded a, a video performance i went up to chicago And uh, I've been dealing with a weird hand issue, so my performance wasn't great. It was hard to play for me. Um, But we got it recorded, so i got to work on it again now and try to get a better performance in Boston in October.
0: How is your your health with your hand? I heard you mention it
1: in some other interview, but I can't remember what it was called. It's called dystonia. Dystonia. D-Y-S-T-O-N-I-A, so like dystonia. Right, okay. Um, and, and to be exact, focal dystonia. Focal just meaning in one location. For me, it's just my fingers. In both and hands? the weirdest thing. Say it again? In both hands? Both hands, yeah. What? More so my left, but a little bit in my right. The weirdest thing, my hands are fine. Hmm. Right? They move fine, no pain, no sluggishness. Yeah. But if I pick up a base, these three fingers curl into a ball. Hmm. So just at for whatever reason there's something in the brain that is telling these fingers when I play, right? When I go to play, you see what these fingers just did? It's kinda hard to hard yeah. to see. I don't know if you can see these fingers okay. better. They they wanna do curl. So huh. to get them to, to do what they're supposed to do is difficult right they uh, they're trying to do that right but only when i play huh weird that's the weird thing about dystonia right it just affects uh well most of the time it affects you only when you're doing the task that it is you want to do huh like i have a friend who who has dystonia in his throat but it only affects him when he talks fortunately not when he sings Right, so dystonia golfers will get it. They have a name for it. I forget they call it the, not the crip, the, the, something where golfers lose their swing. Hmm. Right, they could, without a golf club, probably do that. Do the motion. It's the weirdest thing. So it's a weird, it's, it's, it's not so much physical. It, it's a weird disconnect with the, the, uh, the the hands right like I, I met a woman a young woman at Berkeley plays violin and her index finger just stayed bent like that so she couldn't play with that finger huh play with three fingers and one day she was out with her some girlfriend and she put a ring on her finger and she was looking at the ring and her finger straightened huh she was like what what and she wiggled she had total control took the ring off and that finger bent again wow Huh. Weirdest thing ever. Right. She called me and told me about it, and I had her send me a video. And so then I, you know, I I go up to Berkeley every month in Boston at the music college, and she was playing again, normal. But she, you know, she had to keep the ring on her finger. She could play. Huh. But after a few months, it was like the brain Made figured it. out that it was being tricked. Mm. Because it it wasn't a, it wasn't a cure. So whatever is triggering it in the brain is still there. You know, sort of like a a small trauma or something that has triggered an incorrect part of the body, like a bad habit. So I've been working with a woman from Spain to reprogram my fingers, and I've gotten better slowly. Yeah? I used to not even be able to talk about it and do this. Huh. Because if I thought of bass, these fingers would curl. Weird. Wow. It used to be as I brought my hand up, these fingers would curl. And I, I really couldn't do this, like show you fingerings on right. my... But my fingers are still trying to curl a little, but it's better. So it's getting there. That's amazing. Is it it uh, is.
0: Amazing. Uh, it's amazing on both ends. It, now, how, what are you doing to like retrain that that, that thought process? Because it sounds like, like when you sing, you use one part of your brain compared to when you talk. So it sounds right. like it's a, a connection thing
1: somehow. Um, absolutely.
0: Is that why you're learning Spanish?
1: Is like, is yeah. there like, okay, maybe like it's thinking? It's not why I've just been wanting to learn that since okay. I was a kid. Maybe, may, hopefully, it'll help. Maybe that's what's helping. Maybe it could be like <laughs> thinking of be. it in a different language. You're absolutely right. That could be. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but um, the the training, the the what's the word, the uh, therapy or whatever that I'm going through with this woman from Spain. My wife found her online. Her name is Ruth Childs, C-H-I-L-E-S. For anyone that ever hears this and is dealing with Estonia, I urge you to look up Ruth Childs in Spain. Her treatment is so out of the box and different that it drew me to it, it drew my wife to it. She said, you know, Victor, go check out this one. And um, she, she's different. Like we're basically her stuff is brain stuff. Hmm. It's what I'm thinking, where my eyes are looking, you know, if I say, hey, remember that time we first met back in 1980? You'll go, uh, right. you know, you'll look at a certain place. She's looking at, she, you know, science is starting to prove, even Dan Leviton told me that science is starting to show that that the eyes have, have uh, uh, a, a play in where we place memories in our brains. Hmm, huh. okay, and yeah. And maybe that, because they say scientists for years never knew why we sleep. Why waste that much time? right of our day, but the brain places memories. We don't remember anything until we stop doing it. This is what Dan Levinson told me. So when you're practicing, you have to stop for your brain to solidify it and remember it. Then so so practicing for hours, as they as he says is not as good as practicing for 20 minutes and stopping. take a breath. Let it let the brain memorize it. So it's possible that the brain that rapid eye movement, is the brain is the eyes, or the putting memories, mm, it, right? Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like That's, you can't remember being at Disney World while you're there, right? Right, you gotta yeah. leave, then you can remember it. That's my poor man's version of, of that smart guy stuff that oh. Dan talked about. But so she has me doing a lot of brain things, and it, and some of it has to do with what they call brain spotting, which is where my eyes look. Because hmm. we have found that if, my, if I focus on a certain place, it gets worse. Hmm. If I focus on another place, it gets better. Hey, what's that spot? So, so if you're watching your hand,
0: does it get uh, worse?
1: Washing my hands definitely gets worse. Okay. And there's other places where I look. And not just where I'm looking, but am I focused here or am I focused way over there? Same area, but focus, you know, all of that. And um, it, it's interesting what she has me do. You know what she has me do different brain things of not sometimes not trying to make it go away. Once the dystonia comes in and my finger locks, but not it doesn't lock. But sometimes I'm trying to not have my fingers curl, but it just does that. Hmm. In many cases, she doesn't say like shake it out, make it go away. No, stay with it. What does it feel like? And I've realized why. I feel it in my mouth, my forehead. I feel it in my back. Like I talk, we talk about the tingle. I, right. I've learned to feel that. Yeah. I can feel that. And so she has me stay with it and feel it and feel it. Just stay with it and let the brain make it go away. Instead of making it go away consciously, let that part of the brain that's causing it dissolve it. Oh. Right. It's almost like being angry. Okay, be angry. Keep being angry. Keep being angry. It'll go away. Right. It <laughs> you know, is. It, 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 yeah. yeah, that's fast. So she has me do that with the dystonia. It's, it's pretty interesting.
0: Wow. That's okay. Wow. Because like y-
1: understanding
0: what that is, I've heard people do that with like, like how you're saying with being angry. Why are you angry? Where are you angry? And like, if you can feel that starting to come on, you can redirect that before you have that, that right. rage outbreak or whatever. Well, I'm, right. I, I'm super happy to hear that you're finding something that's working. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's slower than I would hoped, but it's, it is working. Was it another
0: kind of off-topic question that I was gonna throw before a while ago was, you 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 have this, you deliver this, uh, or no, you have this really good way of showing, or telling students they have a thing that anyone has, it's, it's how you deliver it. And like, I found that fascinating, like with like music in the sense of like, you can be a profound punk musician, and jazz musician, and your your um, your vocabulary of music is completely different, but the what is there can be presented and respected in the same way. Um, and you credited your brother Reggie for teaching you how to do that on stage with certain with certain things, and he sure. would have you try things on stage just to see how they went.
1: Absolutely, and, he still does that.
0: Yeah. He comes up with ideas and he gives them to me. What's been the craziest idea that he suggested to you? One that worked, and maybe one that didn't work. Well, his, I mean,
1: they all—they all work. One all is uh, all of them work. One that's really crazy is uh, we grew up big fans of James Brown. James Brown, for me, by far the best performer I've ever seen. Just amazing. James Brown, you know, he's singing on a microphone stand. But he'd have the microphone cable taped yeah. attached to the stand some kind of way. So he could throw the stand in a way and, and and hang on to the mic wire and and make the stand almost fall, but pull it back up and dance, you know? So Reggie said, man, if you did that with your bass, I was like, what are you talking about? Some kind of way, hook up the cord. So I had Fodera make a bass where the cord doesn't plug in it's just attached it's built inside the bass but the cord runs up the back of the bass up the top of the neck and comes out the top (laughs) so i could be playing the bass take it off and throw it across the stage let the cord go through my hand and then pull it back and (laughs) spin it around and yank it up and catch it and play it and stuff very very cool stuff. that's amazing (laughs) cool yeah so that was a Reggie idea. I got spinning my bass was a Reggie idea. Yeah, it's spinning my bass, I got that from Reggie. That's a that's a
0: more controlled version of the the base on the bass on the leash. Pew.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, Here's something for you. Let me see if I uh, while I've got this. See if you can see this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you see what that is? Yeah, the rocks. Yeah, it's a pile of rocks. So let's see, let's see if this works, uh, let see. And that, there's another pile of rocks. Oh, yeah. This is a, a a lesson that I put into a PowerPoint that I'm just showing you the photos. Yeah. Normally yeah. all those words aren't there yet, but that's a pile of rocks also, but right. that one's organized. There's a presentation there. Yeah. The individual rocks aren't any more beautiful than the first pile but it's how you present it. Right. Right? So you don't even really have to have a whole lot of talent or skill. Right. The the whole pop world understands this. Yeah. Your presentation can be so powerful that you don't even realize that every individual rock's not that beautiful. But, yeah, it's put together in a beautiful way. Right. Right. So presentation... Uh It's powerful. And this is what I believe the jazz music of today is really missing. Yeah? They've got the gift, the skill, but the presentation is boring. Oh, I see. audience. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. There's no presentation. They don't smile, look too serious, (laughs) take a solo. Trumpet player takes a great solo. The audience is applauding, but the trumpet player doesn't say thank you. They just walk off the stage. As if the audience isn't there. <laughs> yeah, and it's mostly because I think it's mostly because they—that's what they thought Miles Davis was doing. Right. That's what they thought Ch- Cold Train Charlie Parker was doing. So we're trying to still do that, but our audiences are hurting because they want to be entertained. You can listen to good music at home. So why am I going to pay my hard-earned money to come see you? I want entertainment. And it doesn't mean you got to be dancing around, but you you need to present like that pile of rocks, like that pile of rocks.
0: Be, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful way to show it too, because it's it's simple. And even music is that itself, right? Sounds, and then when you organize them, these pitches yeah. happen in this time. Now it's a song. Before it was just annoying, maybe. <laughs> was, yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah one uh, one kind of a final question um so your wife she does she does acting right she does a but acting in a specific way where it's like for doctors right
1: well, that's what she's currently doing okay was well, she just grew up in acting the same way I grew up in music, okay, but she loved musical theater, so she sang a lot, dance dancing lessons, you know, did a lot of plays and shows. her main goal was to be on Broadway, okay. That kind of thing. So, yeah, but now, you know, after we've had four kids, our kids are getting older, she's finding her own time again. She found about about the job that's doing that, where they, they act like patients or they act like nurses and they do scenarios, but the whole thing is to train new doctors. Right. So that the doctors don't have to wait until it's, the, you know, the real time to practice having a baby or deliver a baby or to, you know, to inject you with medicine. You don't want them practicing on you. So they have dummies that you can inject and take blood from, the mannequins that you can do babies. Or my wife will you know, have a migraine or she'll have an intestinal gallbladder or whatever and she knows what it's, my wife knows what it's supposed to feel like so when the doctor touches in a certain place she knows when and where and how to scream. So it's fun for her, she loves it. It's just like learning new roles again every day. So like-
0: were you introduced to like some acting techniques throughout like writing these books like like uh the meisner thing of accompanying and like or was maybe like something like that uh, do you see that within like stage performers as kind of where i
1: was going to go with that absolutely absolutely i believe every musician should take at least a year of acting exercise uh, acting class absolutely Yes, because there's no actor that looks at looks down at the ground when they're acting unless it's a part of their role. But most guitarists will look at their hands when they're playing. And the same way if we were in front of each other but we didn't look at each other when we talked, that would be so awkward. Right. A person who doesn't look at you is, is usually withdrawn and talking kind of like weak and soft. Yeah. A lot of people play this way. You can do this with your kids probably. I don't, I've never done it with a real young kid. I've done it with some, but you can look at a difference of a person who's playing, looking at their hands versus looking up. You'll hear the difference. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, that's fascinating. I did
0: a, I had, um, Pete Francis, he's a singer songwriter. He played in the band Dispatch, um, Mm. big indie band. Um, but he did a songwriting lesson with my with my students and he did this thing where he's like get this list of things and one of the lists on the list for every student was a pair of sunglasses uh. and this is making me think about what you just said he would have the the, this, the students one at a time when we did the lesson he's like say let's rock and they'd be like let's rock and he's like now put on the sunglasses say let's rock and they'd be like let's rock and like there was, a little, there was a little something to it and his whole point was we can put on this these roles whenever we need and oh, that's fascinating. Okay,
1: beautiful. I like that the sunglasses. I want to try that. All right, that's from Pete Francis. <laughs> He'd
0: be stoked because when we I did a, a chat with him and we were talking about about your book and <laughs> this is cool. Yeah, because it's a very physical thing. You can remove it, but um, and yeah, I, I imagine even someone like Bootsy's like that. I imagine he's not the same guy with the glasses off.
1: Exactly. Well, exactly,
0: Victor. Thank you so much for for talking with me and what you were saying. Like, I really appreciate that that uh, you you saw the honesty in my in my story and like that we got to do this. This means a lot, and that it means a lot to me. I appreciate it. So, thank you very much. Is there um, is there any like thing else worth that you're thinking about like writing down
1: the line? Is there any other novels? Yeah. 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 The, the, the next book that I'm currently working on is a book on the things that we heard us brothers heard our parents say to us all the time over and over. quotes. So it'll be it'll be a small coffee book. it won't be a big novel. It'll just be a small little coffee table book. Yeah. we will have one of mom or dad's quotes and then us brothers will describe what it meant to us. That's amazing. It's yeah. gonna
0: because if those are the ones that made made through lines within some of these books now, that's gonna be the, the, the source material. That's Absolutely. exciting. Cool. Absolutely. Well awesome, Victor. Well thank you so much, my friend. I
1: really, really appreciate this. You're welcome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you. Let me know uh, yeah, if this if you do anything with this, let me know where it is so I can Okay. Take care now. Later. Later, later. Bye bye. Right. Is your mind
0: still there? Did it get blown? That's the sound of me learning. That's the sound of, of me trying to comprehend a lot of stuff. Victor's a wise man. We're lucky to have him around. It was a pleasure and an honor to have that conversation with Victor. If there's any podcast I have that should be revisited more than once, it's this one. Victor's new book, The Spirit of Music, out, available. You can get it off his website. Soon the audio book will be there if it's not out already, which is going to be fantastic. Um, One thing I didn't get to plug at the top of the podcast was uh, this podcast is mixed by Studio 44, Studio 44 CLE. At Studio 44 CLE Cleveland, um, Jay Sparrow will make all your stuff sound good. So reach out to him for all your audio needs. And as well, if you can follow like subscribe rate review the podcast and all the podcast platforms it helps me keep talking to amazing people like victor and sharing those insights with you so i'll catch you on the next one kevin eastman returns